Like locking up your house or covering your pin at the ATM, make protecting your personal information part of your day. Okay, it might sound dodgy, but there's no need to worry. Your personal data will be tote safe with us. We take privacy seriously. Customers are asking whether businesses are doing enough to handle their data correctly. And rightly so, says my guest on Business Briefing. Graham Samuel, professor at uh, the Monash Business School. He says industry is still catching up with the amount of data available from customers. Graham is heading up a new industry not-for-profit, Data Governance Australia, or DGA, that wants to develop a code of conduct for how businesses handle data. He thinks the public should trust business to lead the way in this. I asked him why at the launch of DGA. Well, it has to be in that place um, because in the absence of business leading in terms of setting the appropriate standards, ensuring the standards are complied with and meeting community expectations, governments will step in. Now, governments step in by default. They step in where business fails to deal with issues of community concern, of community expectations uh, in their own way. And when governments do step in, they tend to step in behind the times. So they step in um, in circumstances where issues have been raised, community concerns are at a highest level, and then there's a tendency for government to overreach. Uh, and governments do that all the time. They acknowledge it. Uh, and what industry can best do is to regulate itself provided it does so with complete integrity, with complete transparency, accountability and credibility, and importantly, operates flexibly enough that they are meeting not only community concerns of yesterday, but community concerns of tomorrow. On that point of regulation, especially self-regulation within industry, you spoke today about the importance of outing those who aren't doing the right thing and that accountability. Do you think that's happening at the moment? Well, no, because we don't have a DGA. We don't have a Data Governance Australia that has set the standards. And so what's happening is that the media are taking it upon themselves, as they should, to out those who are not complying with all sections of business uh, in meeting community expectations. Now, we've seen this in relation to banks, we've seen it in relation to supermarkets, in dealings with suppliers. But what happens is that specific instances raise the spectre that there's a systemic problem. And then you end up with government overreach, you end up with government inquiries and you end up with government regulation that almost invariably starts to inhibit the, bus the, the ability of business to be innovative and creative and to meet their expectations of shareholders. So what does business do? The smart businesses sit down and say, let's understand what communities expect of us, let's understand how we can meet their expectations in a way that doesn't create vast impediments on the way that we operate our businesses and innovate and be creative uh, and can act in the interests of our shareholders. Let's also act in the interests of the community. And we do that by setting standards, accountability, transparency and credibility. And credibility comes from the integrity of the processes and the integrity of the standards that are set there to meet what the consumer expects. Talking about community expectations, different people will have different expectations, especially about their own private data and how businesses or regulators are supposed to handle that. How do businesses or how do the industry as a whole, how do, that, how do they handle those varying expectations? You heard constantly expressed this morning the words reasonable community expectations and the reasonableness of those expectations needs to be very, very carefully set. There are some uh, who will have quite high expectations, uh, but those expectations, if they're to be met, will inhibit the, the ability of business to reasonably carry out their daily activities and to innovate and to be part of a, a broad community. So what we have to do is to set those, those expectations at a reasonable level. Now, how do we do it? 
we first of all assess what the expectations are and the vast range that will occur from the lowest to the highest. We then start working with the community and with consumer groups particularly to understand what is reasonable and what is potentially going beyond the, the, the realms of reasonability. And then importantly, there's a, there's a vast scope for information, dissemination, for education, both of industry and of the community. So that, for example, if we're talking about issues like e-health, now I'm, I'm a strong advocate of e-health e and e-health records. It seems to me to be absolutely sensible that anyone that is going to administer to me some health procedure knows all my background going back all those years and decades and knows what it is that I've had in terms of surgical procedures, uh, any complications, any issues at all, medications I might have been taking in the past or that I'm taking now, all that seems to be remarkably sensible. There will be those that will say, no, no, that's a risk because you know, your medical records may be hacked or it may be that there are privacy concerns. I think that what we have to do there is to deal with those issues to ensure that, first of all, the concerns of those that are out there are dealt with appropriately by protective means, but at the same time, to educate and inform consumers as to the benefits of um, uh, having, for example, their medical records fully registered in a, um, a secure service so that it can be available whatever happens to their health. Uh, you know, now, that would that, be my view, but it's the sort of thing that needs to be debated um, with the committee so that the community can understand what it's about and we don't end up with a situation, for example, with um, e-health records where the program was started, I think, uh, under the Julia Gillard uh, government and then lapsed for want of attention, for want of explanation, for want of education and information, and in the end just lapsed and nothing happened. It was raised today the possibility of a code of conduct for industry in terms of data governance. How would you envision this code of conduct and why is it needed? Uh, well, it's, it's fundamental because that is what will set the standards. Codes of conduct are not unusual in various industries, although in many cases, in my experience back at the ACCC, they were inadequate in dealing with the community expectations. Uh, one of the better known of these was the pharmaceutical companies, Medicines Australia had a code of conduct which um, dealt in certain areas with benefits paid to, to doctors, educational seminars and the like, in respect of which there was a, a tacit expectation that they would recommend certain drugs for, for use by their patients and all. That raises all sorts of concerns and community expectation issues. Now in relation to data, what, what I think we need to do is to address all those issues, set up a code of conduct that, ad, that addresses them so that the community can say, we are happy that if industry is complying with this code of conduct, that we are secure, that we're satisfied that data is being used responsibly, with integrity, with transparency for non-compliance and the like. Now, if you don't have that code of conduct, then the community's got nothing to measure it against. The community is sitting there saying, what is industry doing with this data? You know, what are supermarkets doing with the data that they get from me when I use my rewards card or my flybys card, as the case may be? I often put it in these terms that the, the, the greatest enemy of business is a vacuum of information. And it's the vacuum of information where business doesn't make itself fully transparent and accountable to the community at large. That vacuum then gets filled in more often than not by misinformation. On that, that the data itself provides specific opportunities for industry in terms of cyber security, in terms of holding this data, in terms of managing it, do you think that that particular industry needs to be integrated into wider business? Do you think that it needs to sit separately? Well, I think that many businesses have vast range of data concerning their customers. There is always going to be what I call the Snowden syndrome. 
that the ability for a rogue employee to access this, uh, that data and then to misuse it. Um, and, and so, yeah, what, what can you do to protect against that? Well, one of the ways you protect against it is to actually set up a protocol that says access to the data that can really be terribly sensitive and that if hacked or if, if uh, dealt with in an inappropriate way can cause major reputational uh, damage to a business, that access should be limited to, to very, very few people. There's no reason why thousands of employees in your organisation need to have access to that data. I remember dealing with a, an organisation a little while ago and uh, we were talking about some quite sensitive data. I said, how many people have got access to it? And the controllers of the data looked and they said, well, anything from five to 5,000. I said, why 5,000? Why not just five? In fact, why not just three or two? And then ensure that the three or the two, as the case may be, are thoroughly checked to ensure that there's not the incentive, the scope, uh, the exhortation or whatever might be that could lead to that data being misused. Now, they're, they're simple protocols, but you know, in many senses, business don't think about it until the problem arises. Then they say, why did we ever let this happen? We had a Victorian <coughs> minister saying today that the business sector is behind in using data to, uh, in its most effective way. Why do you think that is? Oh, I think that um, business has traditionally been slow to pick up on the advantages of the use of data. It's, it's something that's come upon us very, very fast, much faster than we thought. We talk about the evolution, it's not, it's been a revolution that's occurred so quickly. I remember just by way of an example giving a speech just a few years ago at the National Press Club, and it was titled Grandad Watson Newspaper. And I predicted that within a relatively short period of time, the printed newspaper would start to disappear and people would use more and more their tablets and their iPads and their iPhones, etc. I was told by my technical experts that I was 20 to 30 years ahead of myself and they were disowning the speech. Now, I was about two or three years ahead of myself because this is what happens. The whole process of technology, of the capacity to use technology in a way that we've never dreamt of is becoming more and more pertinent to our daily lives. That's Graham Samuel, Vice-Chancellor's Professorial Fellow at Monash University Business School. I'm Jenny Henderson, Melbourne Business and Economy Editor at The Conversation. Our theme music is by Ben Sound. And if you want to catch any other episodes of Business Briefing, you can do so on our website or subscribe to the podcast via iTunes.